rolling. What's happening? Andy and Zach here. We are back at the Bold Patriot. It's Monday and we narrowly avoided a storm. We did. Did it storm when you were working? No. It's but been I... scattered around town like all yeah, day. But... I'm acutely aware of the weather patterns today. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it pass over and I thought it was pretty close to where we are now. But uh, yeah, Andy has to be extra sensitive to the weather because he is driving without a rear windshield. Right. My long guy sent a rock through my back window. Uh, and it's a very much a snafu because tracking down a windshield and somebody who will install it is a huge pain in the ass. Um, because you right insist now, on driving a vehicle that's older than you are. It is 36 years old. She's my baby, my 1985 Toyota 4Runner. She's my baby. I just got her back from the shop. But yes, the back windshield is smashed out. And so I'm extra sensitive to what's happening weather-wise. Mo mostly, too, because I added carpet in the back. It used uh, to be like a truck bed. So it technically could get wet, could get rained in, and it wouldn't be a big deal. But I added carpet because it's sound deadening and whatever. Anyway. So you can sleep back there. I can sleep back there. I intend to sleep back there in three weeks when I go to Colorado. Yeah. So there's that. You could Airbnb it. I should here. Airbnb it. I mean, I heard that when the, uh, what was it, the solar eclipse that came through Nashville several years ago, I heard that people were airbnb their cars. I did not hear that. but Because there were hundreds of thousands of people who were flocking to the Nashville area to check it out. I mean, it was pretty neat. It was really cool. But... I was at a party in, like, West Nashville somewhere in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week. I was going to say, because, yeah, wasn't it, like, a Tuesday at, like, 1.30 like, in the afternoon? Yeah. <laughs> and I was at a party, like a solar eclipse viewing party. Mm. Yeah. It was fun. It was a cool-ass party, but, yeah. Yeah. It was weird, because I was, like, in my work clothes. I think I had to go back to work. Oh, sure. So I was, like, hanging out at this party, and then I was like, all right, well, I had to go back to work. Yeah. But, anyway. Yeah. All right, any news in your way? Uh, nothing is coming to me right now. Okay. The the brief version... Well, let's do Andy's Eats, and then we'll talk about the gym space. I'm walking better. That's news. That is news. And you carried your beer out by yourself today. Yes, so I am walking with one crutch for the most part. How's... Well, all right, so how's physical therapy going? It's going really well. Uh, not really doing anything groundbreaking. Warming up on the bike doing some single leg press, doing lots of circles, drawing the alphabet with my feet. PT is doing some soft tissue work on the Achilles and the calf. Uh, I'm walking up, you know, the stairs. I'm doing a lot of calf stretching. And I am walking in front of a mirror to practice walking straight without a limp. And to practice keeping my head up while I'm walking because at this point I'm used to keeping my head down obviously so oh, to watch your step to watch where I'm going so you're not walking in circles anymore right <laughs> <laughs> so PT is going great it's all very exciting well, that's good yeah good to hear yeah I, I guess my PT is also going fairly well it is sore. like I don't know I might be using it too much I'm in this weird limbo space where I have full range of motion and I'm mostly pain-free but I'm not strong, and so I think I end up, it's my dominant arm, so I try to use it, 
like not doing anything crazy but cooking picking up pans or whatever and so it hurts today it really does hurt and then she did this thing did I tell you about when she raked it I told you on Saturday when I saw you you did she raked the tendon with her knuckles I was like get out of here it was brutal is that what you said I did out of here I did I was barking at her in the I was like stop (laughs) this hurts so much so um anyway well so before before we get into this week's recipe pardon the train I don't know if the train's ever blown during a podcast I don't think it has so oh hold on sorry about that hold on (laughs) hear my train coming all right Uh, I gotta say I tried your chicken mozzarella peaches in white wine pan sauce recipe twice last week twice yeah absolutely yeah so i got like i don't know it was like almost three pounds of chicken thighs so it was enough to make two two batches but it was very good was the did you find that the first iteration the first time and the second time was better i think they were about the same okay i think the first one i did was better than my second one that's the secret like when you're the chef that's always the secret like everyone else is like, oh my god, this is amazing, and in your head you're like, oh, I should have done this a little bit differently. So I will say that's probably the first time I've cooked with flour in years. It's really just a dusting. Yeah. So yeah. Right. It yeah. gives it a nice little texture though, and the flour is what helps um, emulsify, thicken. Sure. That that pan sauce. Yeah. So, like, I'll, I'll put it this way: if it ends up being too a little too runny, or like, in, it, if you haven't cooked it down enough, where it, it gets a little thicker, or if it's a little too runny, or you're trying to like, I would just toss in a little more flour and stir that in, mm-hmm. and that'll make it thicken up a little bit faster. Yeah. So, pro tip: the only thing I'm probably not going to do, and you can tell me if I'm making like a super amateur mistake here, I got whole rosemary sprigs. And I, I peeled the needles off and covered them in the chicken. I threw them in with the chicken mix. That's what right? I did. Right. Um, I almost feel like I would get more of a rosemary effect if I just sprinkled rosemary, like chopped rosemary from a from an herb like shaker. A shaker. Yeah. Um. Maybe. I'm not enough of a chef to tell you the difference. We have um, live rosemary bushes in our front garden. Oh. So what I will say is that um, rosemary has, you know, those sprigs or whatever. Uh, the fresher ones, or the fresh ones, the ones that haven't turned to, like, wood. Mm-hmm. That are still, like, all green. And then I quite literally just, I diced mine, like, real fine. Mm-hmm. And, and then tossed it in with my, you know, uh, olive oil and... Lemon, is it the lemon zest mm-hmm. and the flour? So I just diced mine up real fine and threw it in with that, mm-hmm. as opposed to peeling or whatever. I just diced it. Right. Um, if they're on the the twig, like the bark, the woody part, then you probably need to peel it and then dice it. But I just diced the whole thing. Got it. So yeah. Um, but yeah, again, we have one. We have two of them in our front garden. So I just picked them off that front thing and diced them up. Through oh, them. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So. Anyway. Yeah, man. So it was tasty. So thank you for that. And, You're welcome. And very easy to make. It is really easy. And you can drink on that white wine while you make it. There's always yeah. a, that's always a plus. 
So, yeah. and I mean anything with cheese and bacon involved is okay. also very nice. If you want to set the mood, and I always do, and you always do, one of my favorite musicians, you can find like a Spotify playlist, is Janae Aiko. I don't typically listen to like any R and B. It's just not my jam. But Janae Aiko is like an uh, sort of a slow tempo R and B. She's one of my favorite musicians and and other musicians like her that like Spotify will put a list together. My one of my favorite to cook to. I don't know why, but I love her. She's great. There's a song called When We Love. That's a good one to start with. So anyway, you gotta set the mood. Um, can't be playing Metallica. I mean you can be. I can play whatever I want. You can play whatever you want. I just I've never cooked a Metallica before. Alright, I'm currently Adding to my Spotify playlist. Okay. All right. So while you're doing that, I came. I came up with. I did not come up with shit. Um, on the same. So last week was the the lemon chicken. Or uh, what was it? In the white pants off. Uh, white wine pants off. Last week's. Quite literally on the same website. Because last week I wanted to do another recipe. I thought about doing the chicken one again, and I was like, I kind of want to do something else. And on the same website, Half-Baked Harvest, I just perused their recipes, and I came across this one called a spicy southern-style shrimp with lemon basil orzo. Spicy southern-style shrimp. Those are all the S's I am interested in. Spicy southern, basically, Cajun-style shrimp with lemon basil orzo. Now, this one was also fabulous. So it's got orzo pasta, um, olive oil, lemon, basil, shrimp, Cajun seasoning, salt and pepper, butter, a couple bell peppers. I did a red bell pepper and an orange bell pepper that I cut into like um, long slices, like uh, mm. yeah, uh, garlic, thyme, white wine, heavy cream, and parmesan. All right. So here's how this works. You're gonna cook your orzo. It's a lot of food. The, the recipe actually calls for two pounds of shrimp and a pound of orzo. My wife and I ate dinner twice. So four of these bowls of shrimp and orzo, and then a little extra orzo, and that was on a pound and a pound and a half of shrimp. So debatably, it'll make about six meals. Wow. It's a lot. All right. It's all very good. So anyway, you're gonna cook your orzo, which is very simple. It's a pasta, you throw in a, bowl, a pot of boiling water with a bunch of salt. Now, I will note this. The directions call for two tablespoons of salt in all that water and orzo. I would cut that in half. The orzo ended up being a little bit salty. And, and also, here's what I did too. I had leftover bacon from the same chicken dish that you did. I had leftover bacon that I thought was gonna go bad if I didn't use it. So I was like, I'll chop that up and throw that in with that orzo. So you cook your orzo, you strain it out once it's cooked through, and you want it al dente. You want a little bit of a, like not a crunch, but like a little bite to it. Toss it, toss it back in that pan, and then I threw in my, uh, did my bacon bits again. So I took that bacon, chopped it up, cooked it up first, then saved it, did my orzo. Then I added, when the orzo was cooked, added a couple tablespoons of olive oil, fresh basil, and my bacon bits. Stirred that up, set it aside. Woo! In the cast iron skillet, 
after I'd done my bacon, I, I sort of wiped out a lot of that grease like we did before. Then you take your shrimp and you toss it in Cajun seasoning, and then you throw it in that pan and you cook it about two minutes aside. You know, cook it through, set it aside. So you got shrimp on the side, you've got your basil uh, orzo on the side. Lemon, and I squeeze lemon juice into that orzo too. So there's lemon juice in the orzo with olive oil, bacon bits, basil. Then you throw in your bell pepper and thyme and garlic in that same pan. And you saute that down a little bit. Now here's what, I cooked it down to where they were still pretty firm because then what happens is you add in uh, your wine and your heavy cream and you like cook it down and so leaving it the vegetables a little bit crunchy when I added that stuff in meant that they cooked they weren't like they weren't like sloppy mm-hmm. you don't like sloppy vegetables in a dish you want some texture and some, a little bit of crunch they were right. perfect white wine heavy cream I added and again this is my addition the bacon was my addition and then I added like cherry tomatoes mm. cut, cut them in half and threw them in after the wine and heavy cream started to cook down and get a little thick then you throw in your parmesan cheese you stir all that up until that Parmesan cheese. Now, now, it's, now it's real thick. All now right. it's a thick, saucy. Now it's Andy style. Now it's Andy style. Then you throw your shrimp in, stir it all up, and then you dish that on top of your orzo. Spritz a little bit of lemon and fresh basil on top of that. Holy shit. Now, you can't see this picture that I took. You saw it on my social media. And I'll, obviously, I'll put, um, I'll put it on the, the podcast and the write-up on my website. But, I mean damn oh and the nice thing is that sauce mm. you toss that shrimp in there but that sauce is pretty creamy and pretty liquidy so you can spoon a lot of that sauce on top and let it you know drizzle down through your vegetables and your shrimp and your orzo it is unreal dude now we're talking only thing i would say is um again that orzo plus the bacon was a little bit there's a little bit of like a salinity to it it wasn't a deal breaker but i would cut way back on the salt content okay on that cookie it, it might have been my fault too because i don't it said five quarts of water i just pour water into a bowl i don't measure out five quarts so sure it might have been lacking in some water i don't know anyway a little bit salty but perfect plus the cajun seasoning probably has a little salt in it so just mm-hmm. be mindful i also like to use unsalted butter in all of my dishes because I'd like to be able to control the salt content. So I don't think I'm hypersensitive to like salt content, but like you know it when you taste it. You're like, right. yeah, that's you know. So it's a little bit salty. I would cut back on the salt content of the water in the orzo. I don't think I was too liberal with the Cajun seasoning, but I would look at the label of the Cajun seasoning and see if like if there's salt in it, probably is. And just measure accordingly, and then use unsalted butter, and you're golden. Dig Baller, it. so good. Love it. Uh, and then again, it made dinner for Megan and I two nights in a row, and then a little bit of leftovers. Woo! And again, I cut it, I cut it back a little bit in terms of overall quantity. Yeah. Fabulous. Sweet. So I'll come up with another one this week. Love it. Tonight, you know what I'm doing tonight on Andy's Eats? What's that? So we podcast every Monday. I also cook. So between leaving here, getting home, and trying to cook, it's pushing close to seven, and I have to right, be work tomorrow right. morning at eight or five thirty. Oh boy! So tonight I'm doing beef tacos. All right. Just some simple beef tacos with some cheese and some pico. So that reminds me, I also because you grew up around the Nashville area. Yeah. I'm not to get too far down a food tangent here on this episode. Maybe this is a food tangent episode. Who Maybe. knows? I'm curious, um, 
Do you have a favorite Nashville hot chicken joint? <laughs> I don't. I like the idea of hot chicken. My um, Does it not like you back? No. It doesn't. I appreciate it, and it's very disrespectful to my body. And so I don't have a favorite. <laughs> now, I know all the favorites of, in town, like Prince's and Bolton's. And if you say Hattie B's, I will smack you. Nobody likes Hattie B's. Well, you know what reminded me of it is because I pass Hattie B's on my way here. Right. Hattie B's is, is not bad. I'm not going to throw shade on Hattie B's. I'm also a transplant, so I have no dog in this fight. Nobody who, who knows National Hot Chicken says Hattie B's. But Bolton's is banging. Bolton's, Bolton's never... might, be, might be a personal favorite. Um, and also, I mean, speaking of fun stuff that, um, yeah, you know, where Andy and I have broken bread, we have had a couple of lunches at the new Shep's Deli in East Nashville. It's good. And we had hot chicken hotcakes. Yeah. Mac and cheese hotcakes with Nashville hot chicken. It was really good. <laughs> with syrup on it, too? Oh, yeah. And there was, was there, like, was it wasn't gravy? No, it wasn't gravy. It was, like, some sort of, like, white sauce or something with it. I think it, it was just ranch dressing. I think it was ranch dressing. I don't think I used the ranch dressing. Ranch for the hot chicken, I guess. Oh, yeah. I used the syrup, though, and that was good. The syrup was very good. So they were, like, hotcakes, which are basically, like, pancakes with mac and cheese baked in, uh, hot chicken strips, essentially, in the middle. With egg. With egg. And was there about cheese? It. Sure, there's cheese in those eggs. Well, the mac and cheese. You right, right, they're, right. They're yeah. literally mac and cheese pancakes. That mac and cheese pancakes, yes, and the egg and the hot chicken. Was that was delicious. Pretty amazing. I with was a, very happy with, with that choice. Piping hot cup of coffee, man. That I had, was. I had a beer, but I mean, it was noon. Yeah, <laughs> you could go either way. Right. And I had a guy to get up to get down, which is a coffee stout. That's right. Right. That's right. Uh, so that was delicious. Now, and then, since you also mentioned tacos, I'm curious, do you have a favorite taco place in town? Um, I don't have a favorite. We typically go to El Fuego because it's right around the corner from our house. And you, surely you've heard the popularity of El Fuego by now. Um, El Fuego is extremely popular, albeit there is some, like, there's some points of contention around. A lot of people, a lot of people love it. And I think, I think it's worth the hype and it's cheap. I um, haven't been to the new location. That's oh, cool. Is it any? Is there any bigger. new management? Any new menu? No, it's okay. all the same. It's right. very good. But a lot of people in the area would say that there's other tacos that are better. And we've had a few tacos from like El Matate and a couple food trucks. Here's here's how I'll put this because I think this this applies to tacos, pizza, whatever. While everyone is bickering about the best pizza and the best barbecue, I am eating all of the pizza and all of the barbecue. I'm, I guess, in a way, sort of like a garbage disposal in that I'll eat any of it, and I think it's all good for different... I, I just don't understand the point of, like, bickering about, you know, uh, if we're going to position five points pizza against Joey's House of Pizza, like, it's all good pizza. Like, why can't I just enjoy the slice of pizza in the location that I'm in? Right? I just don't understand the... Like team pizza. Well, we're a tribal species, Andy. Any 
any chance we have to put our flag in the ground that is like us versus them. Alright, so my it happens. My favorite barbecue place yeah. is Shotgun Willie's, and their brisket is the best in town. I planted that flag just now. Right. Stuck it in the ground. Officially. Shotgun Willie's on Gallatin Road has the best brisket. Edley's is great, don't get me wrong, and I love Edley's. And I love Martin's, especially Martin's is great too. And yeah. and they both have great qualities, but Shotgun Willie's is the best brisket in town, hands down. No competition. They're only open 11 to when they sell out, which is very quickly. But 11 to 2-ish, typically 11 to like 12.30 because they sell out that fast. Thursday through Sunday. Here's Only what? lunch, thir- no, excuse me, to, uh, Wednesday through Sunday. Wednesday through Sunday, 11 to 2. Yep. I, You've told me about Shotgun Willies multiple times. Um, I am going to try them. It's just, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard rolling up to places when you have a broken leg and that whole thing. Well, lucky for Look. you, there's lots of parking. I know, I know. Now that I'm one crutching it, I'm venturing out into the real world a little bit more. Watch out. Yeah, so so when when you when you when your uh, water glass starts rippling a la Jurassic Park when when the T Rex is <laughs> is is coming out to the fence, that's actually Zach Henderson hobbling on his one crutch. Right. Down down Gallatin Avenue. So when, yeah, when you see him tell him to look up. Yeah, because I need to start practicing. Although, <laughs> although then I'm going to crush on a banana peel and slip. And, yeah, you probably will. Yeah. But um, before I forget, Andy, we are, we're coming up on like 25-ish podcasts. This is 24 right now, but yes. Okay, okay. yeah, so we're coming up on 25-ish. It's like an anniversary. Which, that's kind of a milestone. Okay. I think now's the time where we start collaborating. I think we start reaching out to... Nash, other Nashville podcasts, and we start seeing how we can how we can fit into the podcast scene here locally. Okay, I can do that. I don't listen to any. I mean, I don't either. <laughs> but that's what Google is for. The other round, please. Thank yeah, I you. Forgot your water. So let me go. Oh, uh, no worries, man. Uh, Actually, and I'm good. I didn't even have a chance to come out here till now. People started coming in. It's a good thing. Look at that. I was gonna say it's a good problem to have. I actually had a group that ordered like a taste of almost everything right now. I was just like, all right. Guys. I was gonna say you got your hands full with all those oh. tasters. No, they were just like, hey, let me try that one. Let me try that uh, one. Let me try yeah, we're just trying to get drunk for free. Yeah, yeah. These guys. It is. I kind of wish that there was a breeze back. I know the fans are doing their job, but it's this they're... like stagnant human hair. Human air. <laughs> you said human hair. I did. <laughs> Human, human air. I, I, air. Like I should tilt them a little bit down. Tight tap a bit more. Maybe, uh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Like, we're moving air, but yeah, you should be like kind of feel it right now. I don't know. We're sitting kind of far away, but yeah, it is very sticky out here. I'm on the first level. These things get like crazy. Did you want another one? Yeah, thanks. Well, same thing. Mm-hmm. Are you Thank okay you. right now? I'm good. Yeah. Thank you. Watch. I could turn them up a little bit. Appreciate you. I'm just looking at this rain to the west of us. Hoping that it doesn't come rain on us. I was going to say, you know, like, that's, um, it's really beautiful to see, you know, rain from a distance. Like, how you can see it coming down, mm-hmm. you know, from the clouds. So, it's been a very cloudy day today. Yeah, I think a little bit. Um, yeah, it's been a super cloudy day out, but hot and sunny. So yeah, all that to say, Andy, I think start collaborating. I think we've established ourselves as 
professional podcasters <laughs> in the space, okay. in the local space. So I say all this all this food talk is getting me hungry. I think we start reaching out to some some food. There's got to be some food podcasters around town. Surely. There's there's we all food food Instagrams are a dime a dozen, which hey serve a great purpose, and I always love checking out. There's actually some. Back when I was on TikTok, there were some really interesting Nashville food TikToks. Huh. People who would do like ultra short restaurant reviews. Those, huh. Yeah, those those were really fun. Um, so yeah, I'll start putting the feelers out. Maybe yeah. we start doing some cross collaboration. I can do that. Yeah. Plus, it'd be nice to talk about fitness. Yeah. With those people Maybe. and food. Right. Right. Because we talk about. I mean. In our own minds, we're talking about the same old thing over and over and over. But, I mean, I love the guest aspects, the the guests that we've had on so far, which have all been in fitness, and that's all great. Might be kind of interesting to get some non-fitness crosstalk going. Well, that's why I want to get my client, David, or any of my clients, because David's a musician. Right. And he could, you know, talk about his experience with, like, fitness and, like, why it's important for him and his job. Um, and so on and so forth you know it's not all a lot of it can be vanity and I'm not discouraging that because surely I don't mind the vanity of like looking good with my shirt off I don't mind that Um, but there is a critical purpose for a lot like what we do for a lot of people in their jobs and their professions right right. so it would be nice to get that perspective thank you man cheers Cheers. so yeah we can do that all right, so should I should I talk about the space? I think my glass is a little soapy. Mine's good. <laughs> my glass is full. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm soapy. Maybe you're soapy. Yeah. Yeah. So, as we've mentioned before... Andy is embarking on this very new, exciting next stage of his career where, as is often the case, you're kind of pushed into the next phase. Right. For better or for worse. And Andy's opening up his own spot. So you've officially signed on the dotted line for your own space, your own gym space. Correct. Well, it required my signature and the leaseholder broke whatever their signature uh, they had mine early last week they didn't have I didn't oh, have theirs okay. until Friday oh okay got it so the lease is officially signed the keys will be mine probably tomorrow um, and I'll be able to get in the space and then I have 60 days ish to try to get some demolition work done some new some flooring in and some new equipment whatever and then I'll be it'll be off to the races um, I will admit I avoided doing this project for a really long time. In part because I didn't really know what I wanted. As in opening your own spot? Right. Okay. So, for anybody listening to the podcast that doesn't know, I've been a um, self-employed but independent contractor for the better part of five or six years. Actually, in some capacity, about eight years. Um, right? Seven? Eight years. Uh, Time flies, man. Right. So, independent contractor for eight years in some capacity full-time for the last six years and what that means is instead of having my own brick-and-mortar space I go into existing spaces pay a little bit of rent per session or per month do my thing run my business train my clients and then I leave 
without shouldering the responsibility or the burden of rent and keeping the lights on and cleaning. You know, obviously I wipe down equipment, but like cleaning all the shit around it, you know, it's not my responsibility. And for a long time, that model worked really well for me, and I, I liked it. But it's always contingent on Somebody whoever else. owns the space. Right, right. right. And yeah. so uh, I've been in East Nashville with Mike Rajewski, who's a friend of mine and a great coach. Mike's great. We should get Mike on the show. We, I've tried to get him on the show. I need to holler at him again. But anyway, he uh, he's a great guy, a great coach, and I've been rent, sub, you know, renting from him for the better part going on a year now. Actually, August will be one year. Um, and wow. it's been great. Like, it's been a great spot. I have my own key to the space. But all that is to say, part of, you know, pre-COVID, I was at McCabe in Sylvan Park. Those, ma- those details don't matter. What matters is I was subcontracting from a singular space where I basically had a monopoly on the entire space. I, I mean, I was killing it. And I had no reason to leave and had no alternatives and didn't really know what a long-term... I didn't really have a five-year plan. I didn't really know what that looked like. Since COVID and being in East Nashville and working with Mike and seeing how he runs his space, that view became a lot more clear and this is sort of a holler back to last week's podcast where I was talking about how I go and talk with students about figuring out what you're going to do with your degree. You don't really know unless you get some semblance of an experience, whether it's physical therapy, strength and conditioning, cardiac rehab, or anything. You probably need to go... I think you just have a soapy mouth today. I must, dude. Yeah, I keep I seeing those faces with those make, beers. Yeah, I'm making a weird water. face every time I take a sip. Yeah, my water tastes fine. I haven't shaved in like three weeks, so maybe I have some, maybe I have some soap stuck maybe in my mustache. Some soap scum. <laughs> yeah. Got to switch out of that bar soap, man. <laughs> I actually do. I actually alternate between bar soap and uh, like body wash. Like a loofah. Oh, I always use a loofah. I love a loofah. I actually don't. If it's my bar of soap, I don't mind. I love how we just tangent to bar soap. I really don't mind bar soap. If it's my bar, like, obviously, this gets weird if you're sharing bars of soap. Right. But I pre- I'm preferential to bars. Not preferential, but I don't mind bar soap, but it's my bar. Yeah. Lufa's the same way. Yeah. Yeah, Lufa's a great hack. I mean, a, a bar of soap, I mean, anything will go a long way, whether you're using gel, body wash, bar soap, whatever. Lufa makes a little go a long way. It does, actually. And it feels so good, and it's exfoliating. It really does. All right. Anyway, so I avoided opening my own space for a very long time. I'm opening my own space. Here's how I want it. All right, so we talked about this off air, like how I want it to function. And this is a really like interesting question because Megan and I, my wife and I, were having this conversation last night. And you'll relate to this. Um, effectively, when you walk into the space, there's going to be two squat racks each rack is going to have its own bars, own plates, own adjustable bench, own probably secondary barbell, like a trap bar or, or bar for like deadlifts or whatever. Um, and in between those squat racks are going to be dumbbells. And then I'll store kettlebells and sandbags elsewhere in the space. And there's going to be a big turf strip. So I'll probably have a sled so you can do like, you know, stuff on the turf. You can lay on it, push sleds, carry stuff, do lunges. It's a long strip, 50 feet. Okay, now all that said, I there's a way that I'd like to set this up where basically I'd be running like small group fitness, 
like two on twos or maybe three on threes um, in each respective rack, whatever. And then have workouts programmed like three months in advance um, and have that workout on the white, like have a workout on the whiteboard. And we've talked about this extensively on the podcast. I like to anchor major lifts so we can see demonstrative like improvements. But then like accessory stuff, so I, might, I might flex week in and week out. And then I call it witness as fitness, but like conditioning and arm farm is usually on the tail end. Now, okay, so we've talked about this. Typically the program that I like is a warm-up, main lifts, accessories, probably rotate those around, and then witness this fitness and arm farm. That would be a structured hour-long session. What is challenging, and this is me just, obviously this is all candid and open and honest because we never like script these fucking podcasts. I have difficulty sometimes thinking that I might be a little too tunnel vision. And so, well, and and here's how I mitigate this. Every session, not every session, but a lot of my sessions at the end of it, I'll remind my clients, be like, hey, if there's stuff we're doing that you love and you want to see more of, let me know. If there's stuff that we're doing that you hate, we don't have to do it. Just tell me. Or if there's stuff that we haven't been doing that you'd like to see more of, let me know. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, yeah. like you're asking me for my expertise and my guidance, and I'm happy to provide that. But this is sort of a checks and balances kind of system where I don't get stuck thinking that my way is the best way, sure. or that there isn't an iteration or a variation of how I do things that can't make things more fun or more spontaneous. So here's an example. Recently, that that conditioning stuff on the back end, the like. Airdyne, rower, carries, arm farm, whatever. I've turned that over and thrown it on the front end of the workout. Mm. So when you walk in the door, instead of doing like like mobility or kettlebell swings or TRX rows, like just like light intensity stuff, I throw you in the deep end in the beginning. And then I slow it down, work on strength work, and then I ratchet it back up again. Ah, so, so here's the th- So dessert first. Dessert first. Now here so I, I, I should there's a reason why I'm thinking about this out loud. I spent the last 10 years of my career working in gyms that are not mine. And that means that very often there are people doing stuff in that same space that I'm trying to do stuff. And some people that are using the equipment that I want to use. And so programming has always had to be flexible because the environment that I'm in is dynamic and changing and you know there's people in there or whatever so I've never been able to like fully flesh out like a committed program because I've been in spaces that won't allow that right for one reason or another now that I'm going to be moving into my own space I'm going to have the autonomy and the freedom to really hammer out like a like a comprehensive program that said I will try to place these checks and balances in that training system where um I can fit, you know, preferences, or I can modify style, or I can flip and turn over, you know, my my programming style to make it more fun, more spontaneous, still get good work in. I'm not trying to, like, throw shit on the wall and see what sticks, but trying to provide an environment where we can get really good, solid work in that moves everybody towards their goals. Usually it's fat loss, muscle gain, and capacity. Honestly... Nine people out of ten that I work with is burn some fat, build a little muscle, and sweat. 
If right. I check those three boxes, it doesn't. It, it does matter, and it doesn't matter how I organize a program. Right. Um, as long as I check those three boxes, that typically covers a lot of bases for a lot of people. That also gives me a lot of freedom to manipulate some variables. But I, I do want to make sure that as I enter the space and start writing these programs, that I don't get too, uh, too much like sort of a blinders viewpoint on programming. And just have more fun with it. It's always more fun when you have fun with it. Yeah. In other words, try not to be too damn serious. Right. Right. Yeah, man, that's key. That's key. You've got to have... I mean, I think one of the benefits of working with a coach like yourself or like myself, as I've mentioned before... Again, sorry about the train. This train I mean, today. I mean, I didn't realize that you can literally see the train from, from here. We've been here a hundred, not a hundred, we've been here a dozen times. Yeah, I've never heard Never heard that train. train. Yeah, but it's right, it's like one block over. I see it, yeah. Yeah, so one of the benefits of working with a personal trainer with a wide toolkit is this ability to kind of co-create a style of training for the individual person. Right. You know, you're not coming to us for a class you know, obviously we have our expertise and our our specialties, but it's like, I, th- I think you do this as well. I try to throw enough out, like different random stuff to where I can see like, oh, what do you, what do you like? Or the same old, same old workout just presented in a new or different way. Sure. Modifying different variables. Just kind of seeing like what people gravitate towards and then obviously measuring that against like what people need to do, what boxes we need to check. Right. And so then over the course of time, you know, over weeks and months, that's how you kind of develop your own unique training style for the client in question. Right. So so it becomes a unique thing. Almost you could say like cooking. Like, hey, we all need carbs, protein, fat, but what is this person's taste? You know, if you if you were a personal chef and you cooked for somebody every day, you would, you know, you have maybe like your standard recipes, your standard meals, and you know what somebody likes, and you kind of you can kind of experiment in that way. And then eventually, over the course of time, you can be creative to the point where you're like, oh, I know this person is gonna love this because they like that. So building that into your brick and mortar business especially because you're going to be doing some form of small group training is going to be a new challenge for you but that's also what's going to make you stand out amongst any other offering in town well and, and I was just, when you were talking I was thinking about this like it goes back to that whole like if ever you know if all you have is a hammer everything's a nail I think the benefit of having not opened my own space for 10 years, the benefit of exploring, you and I have talked about this probably off air, but the Strong First Kettlebell, I did the um, user course, the Strong First Kettlebell user course, engaging in like, like becoming a member of a CrossFit gym, I have been able to over the course of 10 years see a lot of different training environments different tools, different stimuli, different programming, and now like I have all these ingredients that I get to work with 
Um, and the nice thing about that is I'm not married to any one of them. So moving into the small group training environment, I get to play with a little bit of this, a little bit of that, or whatever, and kind of see what I can come up with. The nice thing is I've got this 5.30 a.m. group that I... we. It's, it's a husband and wife and my cousin's husband. So it's two guys and a girl and me. And we call the group um, Big Booty Hoes and Super Smash Bros. And it is one, probably this is my 5.30 a.m. Tuesday, Thursday group. And it is like honestly one of my favorite groups to work with because they bring a certain energy and enthusiasm at 5.30 in the morning. This is where I started to flesh out this idea of like what I wanted to do with my own space is in this group. It's like, how do I manage three moving bodies in the same space and everybody get a good training effect and everybody's having fun and laughing, but like these guys are pouring sweat and it's fun. And in a weird way, like I can hammer on them if I want to and I can ease off, but these guys, you know, they like to be hammered on. And I like that style of coaching where... I'm nice about it, but I'm gonna kick your ass. And like, it's so it's fun to like flex that out. Um, so I think that was part of the inspiration for like moving towards this model that I'm gonna be trying to do in the new space. We'll see what happens. But um, yeah, I mean, when you have, I think that's the benefit of being a coach for so long is like now I have a billion tools that I can work with and I can find the right one with the right person. And I'm not married to any style. I'm not, you know, I, I, again, I say I'm going to put these checks and balances like I'm, I'm, I have a propensity towards tunnel vision, which I really don't. I don't think. Um, but anyway, I don't know. Yeah. It'll be fun to flex all that out. Yeah, man. Well, obviously I'm biased, but like I said, I think you bring a really unique thing to the marketplace here in town. There's really not that many of us who are independent trainers and now you kind of putting your name on the door that's like a whole nother level i mean that puts you in even more rarefied air feel so special i feel like an adult now you i'm 33 and now i feel like an adult for what it's worth you are legally an adult <laughs> and in my estimation an adult yeah, so, you know, it's funny, like, we were talking about how you could position your offerings through various uh, media. media, so, I mean, like, the social media thing is obviously uh, a conversation, but then also, like, what you title or what you call what you offer. So, and we changed that name. So we were talking about, you know, so again, as we've established, Andy is a morning guy. Yep. He's going to be doing most, if not all, of his classes and training in the morning. Right. In the mornings. So I, I think it's important that, like, people, so I, you mentioned Super Smash Bros., Big Booty Hose Big and Super Smash Bros. Right? So that's like, that's actually, that's like a branding thing that people can, like, attach themselves to. Now, obviously, that's a very specific example of, sure. these, of these three folks. But I think you're in a unique position to where, you know, you're not a franchisee. Right. You don't have anybody to answer to. Right. Um, and you have 
you know, you, you've got an amazing training style in the sense that it's rooted in experience, it's rooted in exercise science, it's rooted in no-nonsense strength and conditioning training. And you're a very no BS, bare bones guy, hence the name of the podcast, A to Z No BS, because, listen, without you, it wouldn't be no BS. <laughs> so, take that for what it's worth. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, like, I think, I think with a little, uh, with a little kind of marketing prowess and finesse, you could, you could call these classes, what, what did we come up with? Well, so it's coffee, weights, and sunrises. Coffee, weights, and sunrises. But I could, because I have long hair and I wear a hat, I could call it mullet fitness, because it's business in the front, party in the back. Okay. And I like my workouts to be very similar, business up front, party in the back. Sure. And see, this is the beautiful thing about owning your own business and owning your own space, is that you can establish the attitude through this, like, terminology. And I think, like, now more than ever, people are looking for... Well, people are always looking for unique takes on, like, on, on their fitness. Like, everything needs a little hook. Sure. Right? But we're not in the business of you know, fad workouts. So I think that in and of itself is a bit of a hook. It's, or, you know, me speaking for you, forgive me. You're a no BS, no nonsense, young trainer who also has deep experience and, and a long list of testimonials from clients who have had great experiences with you and have undergone great transformations and have you know had uh, proven results so all this to say you're relying on the basics you're a no-nonsense guy but you're fun your classes are fun your training style is fun and it's also you know rooted in this you know slightly more serious take on strength training and so I think a lot of times people are just kind of looking for a fun angle to get into the game. And I think that's kind of what maybe CrossFit did to a large degree, is that CrossFit made, you know, hard work fun. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. You know, so I think, I think you in your own way have a unique opportunity to, to do that. Right. To do that for yourself in your own style. Hmm. Thanks, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, you know, again, and this is, you know, and this kind of goes back to programming in general. Like, you can write a stellar program, but it don't, like, the only thing that matters is what gets done. My One of my mentors a long time ago when I was doing an internship at one of those high schools, he would tell me, um, you know, all these, like, 30 athletes would come in and be me and him. 30 athletes. All different sports, all different ages, all different training abilities. And he would tell me, and, and this kind of is a, in a weird way, kind of a tangent off of like some of Dan John's work that's been very influential. He would tell me, he's like, it's not what you want to do, it's what you can do. So he used to say that to me all the time. Clearly it's stuck because it's been like six years, five years since I've seen him, and like worked with him, four years maybe. 
all that is to say, um, that was super influential because I think I used to be a little bit more die-hard, hardcore about writing the perfect program. And then, you know, people would come in off after a long weekend or a late night, or, you know, they tweak this or that, working in the garden, or shit, they didn't even show up at all. Called in sick. And when you write this program and you, you're married to that program, it gets to be a little bit discouraging or a little bit frustrating when you can't execute it. And then he told me that one time or two, a couple times when I was working with him, and I was like, man, like, don't stress so much about the nuts and bolts of program. As long as it's like, as long as it's safe and effective, challenging, and you know, progressive, it doesn't really matter like all the like details. The deep. Like, Really, like for the people we work with, even for you and me, I can't imagine a world that you and I live in where the barbell bench is a requirement for our training. We can, if we want to, on Saturdays when we do our, our yard work. If right. we want a barbell bench, there is nothing stopping us aside from my injury. But we don't have to, and you and I don't get upset about it. We can dumbbell bench. Shit, we don't even. I don't even know the last time we benched. I think we machine pressed a few times. We machine press a lot, actually. Yeah. Point is, if the barbell bench was a, like a, a must in our program, we'd probably get hung up on those Saturday workouts quite often. But we literally go in and just have fun. And, you know, barring the fact that you can't do anything on your leg and I can't do anything on my arm, we actually get a decent training experience. That train, man. How many are there? Dude, I don't, I don't know. It's... Uh... It's a busy day. It's train day. It's <laughs> busy day at the rail yard. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Any, but yeah. Um, speaking of which, I'll give a plug for YouTube. Uh, Andy helped me shoot my latest YouTube video this oh, weekend, yeah. which are uh, basically a collection of my favorite bench press warm-up exercises. So be on the lookout for that. It'll be out by the time that this comes out. Okay. So. Yeah. Very cool. Again, don't get me wrong. I like the bench, the barbell bench press, but yeah. it is not a requirement for my training. And I tell my clients as much. Like, and like here's going back to the whole space thing. What I'm hoping to do is have a, like a whiteboard with the workout that everyone's doing, and engage my clients in the process. And I already do this, but engage them in the process, the hows and whys and ins and outs of like what we're doing and why. Like, we're trying to build capacity by doing this. We're trying to build some muscle doing this. We're trying to tap in some strength gains doing this. Th you know, this variation or this variation is largely irrelevant. Just pick the one you like. I might literally just have deadlift on the whiteboard. Now, whether you kettlebell deadlift, you block deadlift, you trap bar deadlift, barbell deadlift, suitcase deadlift, I don't give a shit. As long as it's tough. And as long as it's challenging, and as long as it agrees with your body, it's work that moves everyone towards their goals. I had a client last week who does not like the term deadlift. So now we call it living lift. The living lift. Is there a story behind this? Mm, not really. They just don't like I just say, hey man, like we're gonna we're gonna deadlift. And he's like I don't like that term. We should call it the living lift. I said, you're exactly right. We definitely should. So now we call it the living lift. That reminds me of like uh, like Mike Boyle, for whatever reason, 
didn't like calling it the Bulgarian split squat, so he calls it the rear foot elevated split. I don't remember his reasoning why. I'm sure he has one. But depending on who you talk to, like strength coaches, Mike right. calls it Bulgarian split squats. I call it, short term, I call it RFESS, which is rear foot elevated split squats. I literally write it in my programs as RFESS. I don't call them Bulgarians. Mike calls them bulgies. I call them split squats. They're not split squats, though. Rear foot elevated split squats and split squats are not the same exercise. In my in my world, they are. So if you said split, if you if you wrote me a program so, that said split squat, yep, I would have one. I'd have both feet on the ground. That's a stationary split squat. I feel like we're about to fight See, right now. I have my own. <laughs> we're about to fight right now. I have my own terminology, Eddie. That is. A split that's squat, stationary. By, that's stationary. By definition, a, a split squat is stationary. A lunge would be like a split squat, but that moves. Or a stationary lunge, but a split squat is stationary by definition. Buddy. I'll tell you where I got that terminology We're going to arm wrestle left-handed. I'm pretty sure I got that terminology from Tony Genocor, so you can take it up with him. I'm going to. Or no, maybe it was, um, who's a Canadian guy? Dean Somerset. Dean Somerset. I'm going to take it up with Dean Somerset. Do it. I mean, he'll probably give me a really thought-out explanation. He's Canadian. He's not going to argue with me. Neither would Tony. They'd both be super cool about it. I've met both of them. They're great. They would block you, is what they would do. No, they wouldn't. They would block you. Have you ever met them? Andy? Is that a real question? Yeah, you've met them, right? I have. I mean... Wait, have you really not listen, met Listen to Andy. Have you really not met here. them? Listen, listen. I, I poke I poke Andy in the most like obscure of ways. <laughs> and now now he's over here I'm throwing upset. shade on me. I know because not, I just need to know if you've met them. Because I don't know all these famous people. I'm not friends with the functional training elite like Andy is. I mean, I say I've written an article for Tony Genocor. He loved it, apparently. Andy is brushing his shoulder as we speak. It was a fun... I actually really liked that one. How about how about we pick up on this next week? Because I don't know if I can... I don't even know if I can hang well, with, with where this conversation is going. Fine. And the point is... Because Andy's going to start name dropping. I am. He's going to no, talk about all of his famous all, friends. Yeah. And then I'm just going to be like, hmm, I've heard of these people. They're. I mean, they're both cool. I bet you if you were to like, message them, they would message you back. Tony especially. I've never like... Per- like, I've met Dean. I've never like messaged him. Tony, I've actually talked to a couple times. Kyle Dobbs of Compound Performance, I've talked to on the phone. Charles Staley, I've talked to on the phone. Most coaches in our industry are cool as shit, and they will talk to you on the phone if you wanted to. You heard it here first, folks. I'm just going to call Tony and be like, hey, man, I'm opening a gym. What do you think? And he's going to be right on, Andy. (laughs) I'm about to call you Andy Name Drop Van Grinsman. All right. So all this to say, what's in the name? Split squat, Bulgarian split squat, rear foot elevated split squat. Listen, man, there's a hyperlink to a uh, YouTube reference video no matter what I put into a program. Well, so you'll be able to see yourself. It. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this about the split squats. In large part, for most people, most of the time, it doesn't matter. However, if we want to get technical... Rear foot elevated split squats and front foot elevated split squats are not the same in terms of muscle activation pattern. You're right. 
Yeah. Right. Those are not the same. So when it's front foot elevated split squat, I write front foot elevated split squat. Okay. Stationary split squat <laughs> and split squat. He's dropping stationary and just leave it split squat. No, man. Who has a moving split squat? That's a lunge. A moving split squat is a lunge. Nobody is riding moving moving split squat. Nobody, nobody's, nobody's riding that, Andy. You know, nobody at this table is riding that. About that is, I believe Nick Tumanello actually will say one way or another, like a locomotive lunge versus a stationary lunge. In other words, when you lunge, you take a step in, like take a step forward and drop down. I always think of lunges as moving from like across the room. I always, by default, think of a lunge as moving across the room. But if you were to ask Nick Tuminello or certain coaches, you would literally have to, if you wanted that, if you wanted a lunge across the room, it would be like a locomotive lunge or a, like a walking lunge, moving lunge. Without that hmm. preface, and you just said lunge, by default, to their definition, it would be a stationary, you take a step forward, push it back. Take a step forward, push oh, it back. So, so yeah. your starting position never changes. Interesting. I don't think of it like that. I'm I'm not a huge fan of that particular exercise. The lunge? The lunging forward and then... Pushing back? Pushing back. I agree. In general. If you have to do it, if you're in an enclosed space. But I think the walking or the reverse... Or the stationary lunge. Uh, stationary split spot. <laughs> are, uh, are all better options. But, uh, but that's just one man's opinion. All right, Andy. I think before we get one another in trouble we should <laughs> we should wrap it up from here alright man sounds good before we say something we don't mean to each other what were we going to talk about off air that you weren't going to talk about oh I remember now okay never mind <laughs> A to Z no BS we will see you next time bye guys <laughs>